What did Jesus teach about the kingdom of heaven? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik. So Brian, today we are jumping back in time a little bit as we look at um, what is actually one of my favorite passages in scripture, or has one of my favorite passages in it. Uh, I should say, we're looking at Matthew 13 today. So add this to the list of your favorites. I know I have a long That's list right. of favorites. Sounds like I'm not alone. Nope. Nope. We just, uh, we just love the Bible so much. We're that spiritual. Uh, oh, totally. A hundred percent. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. We're, we're just that noncommittal. We really can't commit to a favorite. <laughs> well, well, I mean, should you be playing favorites with the Bible? I mean, really? Hmm. I guess not. I don't know. I guess that's that whole being overly spiritual thing. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, but we at least are we talking. think we're spiritual. No one else we does. Do. At least we, we do. We do. Well, maybe right. God does. I don't know what he. I don't know. I, Some... No, I don't know. All right. So before we get ourselves into trouble or risk getting ourselves into any more trouble on this, yeah, as more it stands, trouble. more trouble, more trouble. Uh, let's actually do what we came here to do, which is talk about the Bible. And so we are talking, like I said at the at the start of this, we are talking about Matthew chapter thirteen which um, is a chapter in which Jesus teaches many parables. We are going to look at three of them. We're also going to look at Jesus' explanation of why he teaches in parables yeah. today. And so in this, there's there are a bunch of them, but the three that we want to look at right now, those are three that are focused on the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, depending on on what what way you prefer to describe it. They mean the same thing. So... Um, how about as we get started on this, we do our best to set up a little teeny tiny bit of context, um, and then we'll jump right in. Yeah, again, this is we've been saying the same thing, it seems, every episode, because it's true every episode. This, this passage occurs somewhere in that nebulous middle period, middle to latish period of Jesus' earthly ministry. And while it's not important, I don't think, to pinpoint precisely when this these teachings happen, I think what is important for us to know is that at, by this point, this is not like at the very beginning of the ministry where people are still not sure who Jesus is. They've never really seen him do anything. This is later on. that We just have to keep that in mind, that people have been seeing him uh, perform miracles, the signs that John calls them. They have been hearing him teach about various things, what uh, what it may, means to be a disciple and so forth. Um, and so here he is is really stressing what kingdom means. Um, and and this is important because this is why he'd come. Um, he, he, he came to declare the kingdom of heaven or God, as, as you said, they're uh, interchangeable. Um, and so he's giving a, a picture of what it looks like to be part of that kingdom. So again, it, it assumes that the hearers or the readers now have some semblance of understanding of who Jesus has been claiming to be and what he's been doing. 
And so as we look at this, one of, there are a few questions we should be asking. Uh, one of the big ones is, is super important, which is why did Jesus use parables at all? And we see this all throughout his ministry that he uses, that he uses parables to communicate truths about God, about God, redemption, about God's kingdom. Um, now for those who may not be familiar or just need the refresher. A parable is generally understood to be a short story or analogy that's meant to communicate a a single and important message, usually a, um, a moral or a spiritual truth. And so uh, Aesop's fables are actually are actually um, parables, <laughs> um, for example. The um, generally speaking, an audience uh, parables are meant to be clearly understood by their audience, and so the the use of a story is to make them sticky for yeah. them. But here's the thing that's interesting with Jesus's parables: Jesus's parables weren't always intended to be understood by everybody. But what's true is is that they were always meant to be understood by his intended audience. The question is is who was his intended audience? And so, uh, what we what we see from Scripture, and we're going to unpack this in just a second when we when we actually read this, is uh, Jesus' parables uh, were intended to do two things: to conceal the truth about God's kingdom from the masses, while also communicating the truth to Jesus' disciples. So, for some reason that we don't quite understand, God doesn't want. Um, everyone to know everything in the same way both um and but this and this is this isn't um any sort of speculation this is outright stated um that this that yeah. this intent was actually a fulfillment of isaiah 6 9 and 10 and we see this in matthew 13 uh verses 10 through 17 and so this is what this says uh, after he teaches the parable of the sower, which we'll get to in a second, the disciples came came up and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? Because this was taught in, in a larger crowd. And he answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has more will be given to him and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables because they, uh, because looking they do not see and hearing they do not understand or listen. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, you will listen and uh, you will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive for this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. That's a, yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, and it really is a head scratcher because, you know, as you, as you read this and you see Jesus basically saying, if we could just paraphrase simply, I don't want some people to understand what I'm saying. And that kind of, we recoil against that. It, it, it doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that's, I think we have to start there. We have to acknowledge there that this feels off to us in some way. The problem then is not with, with Jesus, it's with us. Yeah. Um, I think for me, when, when I start wrapping my mind and my heart around this, I have to remember a couple of things. One, Jesus did not teach solely in parables to hide all truth. He taught some in parables to hide some truth. So there were certain truths that were revealed to everybody that were known. These, these kingdom parables, for example, are going above and beyond, one could say, what was needed to understand who Jesus is for salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we have to keep that in mind, first of all. Second of all, um, we know that some of the religious leaders who were against Jesus understood some of the parables. They understood the parable of the prodigal son and the older brother. Um, they said, wait a minute, are you talking about us here? So um, many of the parables, the simplicity of them was able to be picked up by even his critics and skeptics. And then third, I think we remember 1 Corinthians where we read that um, the, the, the gospel's foolishness to those who do not believe it would be foolishness to us if it weren't for God opening our minds to the Holy Spirit to understand it. So we, we have this truth at play in other places at Scripture that there are certain things, the Scripture... I remember taking an intro to Bible class taught by an atheist in my secular university, and that professor understood the words on the page, of course, uh, understood the stories, but the Bible was foreign to her. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit had not revealed the truth of it. So I think we just kind of keep these things in mind. And for me, that helps me to start getting my arms around what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, that's, I mean, really, when you think about this, ultimately, what it should like, you know, and again, we're always doing what we do, which is jump ahead a little bit. But (laughs) really, you think about this and what Jesus is saying here and what we read in Matthew 13 should inspire humility in us that it's like it's not that we're smarter or better or anything like that it's that god has graciously allowed us to understand this and that is that's critical when we come to when we come to the the scriptures in general but especially when we are looking at what jesus is saying in, in his parables um we know what's there because because the spirit illuminates it for us and allows us to understand it in, in the way that it's intended. And that's a big deal. So, um, another big question. So we, we talked about how there are, um, how there are three parables in this chapter of many parables where that are focused on the kingdom. So Brian, what are those three? Well, the three that we're focusing on, the first one we see in verses 1 through 9, it's the parable of the sower. This is where Jesus, this is a really common, uh, popular one, where Jesus talks about the farmer who is sowing seed, and the seed falls on different soils. And thankfully, uh, he explains that one to us after the disciples ask, wait a minute, what is going on here? Jesus explains it in verses 18 uh, through about 23 or so. Um, and, and again, it's a really interesting parable to kind of start parsing what soils are saved, represent saved people and what do not. But really, the bigger idea there is that 
the word of God, the gospel will be shared with different people who respond differently to it. Just know that. That's, that's kind of the big takeaway for that one. The second one then that we're looking at here is found in verses 31 through 33, and it's the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. So we, for our discussion, we just skip over the wheat and the weeds earlier in verses 24 through, through 30, uh, but it has a similar connection point to another one that, that follows later. Um, but this one of the, the mustard seed and the leaven is just talking about the growth. This is where he describes the mustard seed, which is the smallest of types of seeds. And then it grows into this huge mustard tree so big that, that birds can nest in it. You know, the, the branches can support that. Um, the, the big idea here is how the kingdom would start small and grow. And we see that in the scriptures. We, we see it. Think of Acts. Think of how many people were in the upper room after Jesus ascended. It was a handful of people, a handful of believers in this world. And then look at what happened even on the day of Pentecost. You grow by over 3,000. And then you think about just, you know, how big that that the church has become. You think about God's kingdom growing, of which the church is one part. And, and it just kind of affirms what he was talking about here. And then the third one uh, we would look at today is in verses 44 through 46, which talks about the parables of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. And those, of course, are just talking about the, the exceeding value that the kingdom's worth giving up everything for. Uh, you know, a, a wise person would find a priceless treasure in a field and would easily sell everything he or she has because it's of no value compared to that treasure in the field. Only a fool would hoard something at the expense of something greater. And so that's kind of Jesus, well, it's not kind of, it is his point of saying, look, the kingdom is of exceeding value. Anything you have on earth, if you're holding on to it, if you're hoarding it at expense of the kingdom, it's not wise. No. See the value of the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and that right there, that is an important thing for us to remember as well as that we, we do need to recognize that, that what's been entrusted to us and, and the kingdom to which we belong ultimately through Christ, this is more important than anything else. So yes, there's, there's so much stuff that is either trying to draw our attention away from what is most important, whether that's active or passive. In another parable, Jesus talks about the cares of the world. And so it's, it's part of this, it's part of that first parable. And this is, yeah, this is where you see this all, this all coming together. And it's the two parables that we didn't really address in this, the wheat and the weeds and the net cut tied to this as well, that there will be unbelievers who seem to be part of the kingdom, who play, they position themselves as part mm-hmm. of the kingdom. And we see this in your church today. Unregenerate church membership is, is a problem where we have, especially where we are in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, where you have people who are members of churches who are serving as leaders in churches and they're not regenerate. They are cultural Christians that's the wheat in the weeds. That's the the net dragging in just a haul of fish and other, you know, some are desirable, some are not. Um, and, and it goes back to that first parable as well, how people will receive. And some people, he said, will seem, the ground will seem to, to pr- produce growth, but then it'll die off. So yeah, all these, you, you, you get, they give you a, a good, complete understanding when you look at them together. Totally. And so even with us saying, Hey, there are three primary that kind of focus on the kingdom. What I hope you, that you're hearing in this is, is that they all work together. 
and they all tie together. There's a reason that Matthew put all of these yeah. parables together because they all make sense. Thinking about that, even, you know, as you start getting into the weeds of, of those things, you know, you, you start immediately asking, and there's a reason why we didn't bring in these ones is, uh, you start asking, well, who's in and who's out with, yeah. you know, wheat and tares and different kinds of fish and all that kind of stuff. That's not our, that's not our job. And it's the same thing. This the, the sower one again. It's and I've heard sermons, and it's fine. I'm not criti- criticizing those who may have done this or will. Mm-hmm. It's it's a value to analyze. What does he mean by those four types of soils? But if you are so fixated on that that you lose sight of. What is our assignment? Our assignment is to cast liberally. It's the yeah. it's the so liberally. That's the main takeaway. That's what Jesus wants. Had we been standing there that day and he told that parable and you and I started debating about, wait a minute, is that third soil, is that saved? He, Jesus probably would have shook his head at us and said, no, no, guys, come on. I expect, I don't expect more from you, but come on. Do you think that we would have been some of those disciples that he would have said, how long do I have to put up with you about? <laughs> I guarantee Because I feel like it. <laughs> I guarantee Peter was probably wishing we had been alive then because we would have taken the pressure off of him as being the knucklehead. That's true. That's true. So, uh, man, we're going to, we're going to thank Peter so much for, for being a knucklehead on our behalf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I relate with Peter, man. I, I would have been the same way. I would have been the one, the other disciples would have been groaning about saying, Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Get it together, man. Oh, but they'll say, man, you got a good beard. So you got that going for you. <laughs> Which was really important in that day too. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be lost because I can't grow facial hair. <laughs> but, you know, I'd have you, a ma- majestic mane on top. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, so thinking about the, thinking about the parables in, uh, that are in this chapter, a little bit of what we talked about. What kind of guidance can we offer someone um, when they're discipling someone else? I think one of the first things we we haven't really talked about it this episode. We've hinted at it a little bit. We talked about it in the past, I believe. But just as a reminder to keep the principles of interpreting parables in mind here. And as you said, most parables have one major idea. Uh, there are a couple that add to that. The, the prodigal son, which I mentioned before, Jesus brings in a couple of their ideas. Usually, we don't want to overanalyze the uh, the illustration. So, for example, if you're reading the parable of the mustard seed, don't worry about what the bird is. It doesn't represent anything. It's a bird. It, it's just a way to say the, the tree grows so big that it can support life in it. Um, and so if you're trying to figure out what does the bird represent, you fall into allegory at that point. And that's going beyond what a parable is. So keep these in mind as you are working with somebody, discipling them as they're understanding parables. And it's a good reason to remind them of basic Bible interpretation techniques and good principles in general anyway. Um, we can see how easily you can fall into trouble and, and get lost. Again, as we're talking half-joking, half-serious about trying to figure out what those soils are, you can understand, had if we just started focusing on those soils and, and failed to apply that in terms of evangelism, bold evangelism with everybody, we are missing that, and we are harming ourselves and others because we have failed to interpret properly. Um, so these are a good example for us to teach Bible study techniques in general as well as what a parable is and the point of them. Yeah, and since you mentioned uh, mentioned that the soil, um, I think one of the other things that we want to be doing is 
Uh, we always want to be encouraging having the mindset of the sower who sows indiscriminately. So again, what this what this means in a sense is is that we really don't care about the kind of soil the seed of the gospel is going to fall into. Although, let's be clear, we care. We care a lot. Yeah. We care about people. That's why we share the gospel with them. We want everyone to be saved. <laughs> um, but there's also an understanding that God is going to God is going to uh, cause the gospel to to grow and bear fruit according to His purposes. And so, um, it's not in that sense. It's not up to us on whether on trying to figure out okay is this person is this person someone who's going to um respond our job is never to um be making those kind of determinations that is it's gross just to be honest it is if you're triaging somebody spiritually triaging them before sharing evangelism to see if they are worthy of sharing the gospel with you're missing it no 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 just share the gospel Exactly. And I mean, I remember years ago, there was a documentary that came out that was, um, it was really uncomfortable because it was, there was this person who was like, oh yeah, I can, I can tell who's going to respond and I can make them respond. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. So it was, it was really, really uncomfortable to watch. I'm just fascinated. Um, The Holy Spirit had a Netflix special apparently that I missed, but that's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. So yeah, absolutely. For sure. Let's, let's just keep that the main thing that God is the one who brings growth. He's the one who, who, like I mean, that Philippians says, as we as we work out our faith in fear and trembling, He is the one who is working within us, and so that is uh, that is really important from us from a growth in Christ perspective. But it's also helpful for us to remember as we are sharing the gospel is that we aren't making anyone respond. I would think one other thing to keep in mind here as we're discipling somebody is that we want to guide them. Uh, to see the kingdom as, as Christ wants us to. Of course, that's why he told us these parables. He wants us to understand them and view them both with our minds and our hearts, you know, to have our affections fixed on the kingdom and, and longing for the kingdom. Um, and so think about some of the big ideas we've, we've talked about here. We, we want to help that person or people we're discipling to value the kingdom, as, we, as we've said. We want them uh, viewing Christ and his kingdom as their greatest treasure. And, and longing for it. We want them to trust God to grow the kingdom, as you've just been talking about, Aaron, uh, that they're not trusting in themselves. If it's a ministry leader or a teacher, that he or she is not trusting in their ability to to grow their people or whatever. But no, they're that's the Holy Spirit, and they're just being faithful, and, and that they should feel um, um, honored and humbled that God is using them as part of that process of, of him growing his people. Uh, recognizing the nature of the church. Again, the, the two parables we really didn't drill down on in, in this episode um, of the wheat and the weeds and the, and the net, I think both of those are really helpful for us to remember today um, that the kingdom as we see it now is not as it will be when Christ returns and establishes it in full, in perfection. Right now, the kingdom is still in a world that has fallen, and so it is not pure. Um, I think this is really helpful for us as we are uh, part of a community of faith called a local church 
And we have to understand and, and remember that sometimes some people may be acting as knuckleheads in that because they're not regenerate and they mm-hmm. need Christ. And, and we need to have a compassion toward them and, and we need to have a view toward them as if we are viewing lost people. We should be compassionate for lost people. If they are in Christ, if they're uh, believers who are just acting sinfully, then again, we we just have to remember this, that God's kingdom will be one where we are united perfectly, but now sin is a barrier. So what can we do to work through that together? How can we lovingly, other passages Jesus talks about church discipline, how can we lovingly go to that person and, and deal with, with what's going on and either help them admit their sin, confess it, or we confess our sin, as the case may often be. So the, I think these parables really help us today to keep that, that two lenses in mind, that we're seeing and experiencing an imperfect kingdom today because of us, but one day the, perfect, or the kingdom will be perfected when Christ returns. Brian, that is a good note for us to wrap on today. So uh, thanks for chatting about this chapter and uh, the big idea of parables and these parables in specific. And uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. 